Good morning. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on a very royal episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You know, in the landscape of professional wrestling, if you can't wear a title belt around your waist, you might as well wear a crown on top of your head, and heavy is the head that wears the crown. Today, it's all about the king's of professional wrestling throughout the history of pro wrestling there's been characters that have donned the moniker the king majesty and they've ruled over their wrestling kingdom some have done it better than others today we're going to recount the best and worst kings of professional wrestling my name is jumping jane as always i sit across from well our king our ruler our con father, none other than Sir Tommy Fierro. Tommy, good morning, brother. What is going on today? Oh, will you stop? Just call me Tommy, please. <laughs> okay, call me King. Call me King. Call you King. <laughs> no, the just, King. Just, just kidding, man. Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Eighties Wrestling, the podcast. Could be a fun episode today. Jumping Jay came up with this episode and texted to me this morning. I absolutely love the idea. We're going to talk all about the kings of wrestling. Again, uh, this is an open form. It does not have to be 80s wrestling related. We are talking kings of wrestling. I have to say that because one of the first kings I think of is King Booker and how that character of the king, in my opinion, helped elevate him to that next level. So we're going to talk about that today here on the podcast, the best Kings, the worst Kings, and what helped raise their stakes in the company a little bit and what really kind of fizzled out. So we're going to talk about that here today on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. If you want to go to your Google machines and type in Kings of WWE or wrestling in general, we're going to talk about the hits and misses and uh, everything in between, Jumpy Jay. It'll be a fun one tonight. Yeah, it should be a real good episode. You know, uh, some wrestlers who won the King of the Ring tournament never really utilized the term king and never really ran with it. Other people use that tournament as a springboard to kind of give their character new life. Other people got the moniker king in other ways, some carried it on for just a few years, maybe a brief run. Other people carried the King moniker throughout their entire career. And so I'm interested in knowing when you hear the term King in pro wrestling, who's the first person that pops into your head? Tommy, I'm going to start with you, brother. When you hear that, when I say, you know, the King was wrestling the other night, who would you picture? Jerry the King Lawler, and I think probably the majority of everyone that's going to be calling into today's podcast is going to probably say Jerry the King Lawler. However, you know, he might be the most famous king, but there are tons of others. And like you said, uh, some went on to win that King of the Ring tournament, and just it just fizzled out from there. And it could be from a creative standpoint. It could be from the talent standpoint. I mean, look at when Stone Cold Steve Austin won the King of the Ring. He became the hottest star in the history of wrestling by what he said, end of that promo. But here's the thing, Jumpin' Jay, you want to talk about Kings. And, and, and granted, he, wasn't, he didn't wear a crown, and 
he didn't wear a cape, so technically he wasn't the king of wrestling. But you did mention the King of the Ring tournament, so if you did so, you have to bring up Steve Austin. And if you're going to talk about that tournament, and I guess we're going to have to on today's episode because a lot of the people that were named king throughout the last 30 years of wrestling, you know, came from winning that tournament. And, and like I said, although he wasn't called King Steve Austin, I think he's by far the most successful example of someone winning a King of the Ring tournament because without that win and without him beating Dick the Snake Roberts, would he have ever said the, the word Austin 316? And, my, and, my, and there's a good chance he might not have. And if that's the case, the whole entire landscape of the Attitude Era could have been shifted. So talk about a tournament and the importance of it. Uh, I think that he would definitely win if we're going to talk about who benefited the most from one of those tournaments. Yeah, it's interesting how at the end of that tournament, some of the winners would adopt the name King, and they would utilize that as a springboard to give them a little, you know, a little more boost in their in their push, and other people like Steve Austin benefit their career, but they would never adopt that moniker, the King. And so it's interesting because I would not consider all King of the Ring tournament winners as kings, but I guess for the sake of argument, you have to. I mean, you win the tournament, you get that title, even though guys like Bret Hart, Steve Austin never adopt it the term Kings, other people did, and it benefited their career uh, in a great way. I would say I agree with you. If you would ask me who the king of professional wrestling is, the first name that pops into my mind is Jerry the King Lawler, and it's only probably because his length of reign as king. He adopted that moniker, I believe, in the late 70s and just kept rolling with it, and he's still known by that uh, today where other people – who pop into my mind, one of my favorite kings of all time, the Macho King, used it for just a very brief time, but I think he made the most of it during that run as the king, but then dropped it as, you know, he went on to be the Macho Man once again. And so it's interesting to see who utilized that title to springboard their career maybe to the next level. We're going to talk about the guys who did it the best, and there's been some ones who maybe weren't worthy of the crown, and we'll touch on them as well. The slam line is already packed. Again, if you're listening to us live, you can call in at 516-595-8295. And we're going to start the conversation off like we always do with the ruler of the West Coast. It's babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. Today, it's all about the kings of professional wrestling. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. Um, I would... uh... I would say that the guy that deserves it the most is who uh, Tommy brought up first, which is Jerry Lawler. He did start using it back in 1974, basically the month I was born. He started using that after he beat uh, his former mentor, Jackie Fargo. And it wasn't until a dozen years later that, uh, that the King Harley race, the guy that I think of first started using it. I didn't start watching wrestling until 86. I didn't find out about, you know, Jerry Lawler until, probably late 86 or early 87 when I started getting the, the wrestling magazines late 86. But the um, Harley race, he won the King of the Ring July 14th, 1986, Pedro Morales. And then they had a coronation that aired on TV on uh, August 30th, 
So that's when uh, that's when the, the king of wrestling became a real thing to me. And so I always think of Harley Race first and foremost when I think of the king of ring or the king of wrestling. And uh, and like I say, if I was more knowledgeable and a, a longer term fan, then I, I would definitely go with uh, Jerry Lawler. But of course, you know, Macho Man did a, a heck of a job with it, and it uh, it was a nice little boost to guys like uh, Haku, who was you know King Tonga before he became Haku, and then ended up uh, getting the crown. And and uh, and Duggan, it was fun with him. But but yeah, I'll go with Harley Race as my choice of who I think of first when I think of King of Wrestling. You know, it's interesting. My first uh, introduction to Harley Race was as King Harley Race. And then as you get older and you start doing your, you know, your, your history lessons, you realize that he's one of the most accomplished professional wrestling champions, one of the toughest men in the history of the sport. And so then you kind of wonder, I wonder what he thought about having to put on the cape and the crown and go as the king Harley race. If that's something that he openly embraced or if Vince McMahon kind of had to sell him on the idea of going that route, because from being one of the toughest guys in the business, I don't know if he would have been all, all keen on, uh, you know, having to do the pomp and circumstance thing. I don't know if you know anything about that babyface Brian, uh, about what Harley thought of it, but that was my first introduction as Harley as well as the king. I, you know, I think he was actually, I feel like uh, I've heard before that he was honored by it. Uh, I know that Jerry Lawler won a lawsuit in uh, May of 87 that made it so that any time the WWF came to Tennessee that they weren't allowed to call Harley Race the king when they were in Tennessee. Um, and I think the night the, I think the, night the lawsuit uh, you know, went through, that uh, that Harley Race wrestling in Nashville, and so I don't think he was able to use it at that time. I've heard other guys like George. I think it was George Steele. I heard on a shoot interview, think you know, talking about how some of the guys thought it was a rib making uh, Harley Race travel the country carrying this extra gear, having that big robe and having that crown with him. But uh, but I think he took it as an honor. At least uh, that's how I'll look at it. And I I didn't get the LJN for Harley Race until about oh, eight or nine years ago, and uh, and I was excited to get it. That's a, a really cool crown that his LJN figure comes with. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, the most nostalgia for me is definitely the King Harley race, and uh, and I thought Randy Savage played it to the hilt, having uh, Queen Sherry by his side and did a tremendous job. That probably, uh, between race and Savage, those are the two guys in WWE, WWF, that I thought the best, did the best job with it for sure. And then I, I wasn't watching when uh, – when Stone Cold came along and, and Bret Hart won it uh, and that. But uh, do you guys remember who the very first King of the Ring tournament win, winner was? I I know it only because in research for today's show, I have the list in front of me, so it would be unfair of me to, to wager a guess. I don't know if Tommy knows off the top of his head. I probably would not have known off the top of my head. I'll say that. What, what was it again? Say it one more time, please. Yes. So before Harley Race won the tournament in 86, do you remember who won the uh, first King of the Ring tournament in 1985? If I'm not mistaken, I want to say Tito Santana. Uh, he ended up winning in, I think it was 80, uh, 89, if I remember right. Yep, but, uh, right. But, Don, but Don Morocco actually won the, uh, oh, won yeah. the first time around. Yep. Yeah, 
Yeah, so interesting. It went to Morocco and then Harley Race, and then, uh, you know, in Morocco beat Iron Sheik, Harley Race beat Pedro Morales in the finals, um, Randy Savage uh, beat King Kong Bundy in the finals, I think Ted DiBiase won by countout over Savage when Savage was champ in 88 to win it, and then Tito beat Rick Martel in 89 to win the, the crown. So those are the 80s, uh, 1980s King of the Ring tournament winners, and I, I wish they had filmed those so we could – go back and watch that stuff. But, oh, uh, me too. Me too, man. man. Hey, you know, you know what? You know what I thought? When I think about the king of wrestling, especially from the 80s, and I'm sure you guys are going to agree with me, one of the first things I think of is back to the Slammy Awards when King Harley Race and Hacksaw Jim Duggan had that fight all around the backstage area and with the – the animals involved and stuff like that. And, and, and that for me was probably one of the, the best memories of the King involvement uh, in the eighties. And it was such classic stuff. I'm going to probably go back and watch it today. It was so entertaining. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta look up and see if it's on YouTube or anything. I, I think I've looked for the Simon awards and haven't been able to find it. So I'll have to uh, search that out. And, uh, and I look forward to listening to the rest of the show. I love talking to you guys every week. Thanks so much for having me on and having another fun fun subject this week. You guys have a great weekend and a great rest of the show, my friends. Hey, you too, Brian, before I let you, before we let you go, I got to ask you a question. You mentioned that uh, you liked the Harley race LJN figure. It's got that amazing crown and it's not molded on. You can take it off. You can set it down. You can move it around. The, all the winners from the eighties, king of the ring tournaments have ljn figures plus haku plus jim duggan also have an ljn figure i need to know have you ever moved king harley race's crown onto a different figure even just for a moment just to see duggan's figure with it on oh yeah yeah i've taken pictures with it on uh, tito and dibiase and and duggan and and Duggan, I did one with the uh, ljn ring and and had all the guys that were in the coronation in the ring and it's kind of cool hacksaw uh, reposted it or retweeted it, and uh, and I'm one of the few guys that he follows on Twitter. So pretty cool to to take that LJN crown, put it on the other guys, and and gain a cool follower on Twitter. Fantastic, hey, Jake, man. Can you ima- hey, can you imagine now? We know we know our good friend Brian there was recently married last year. Can you can you picture this? Imagine you know the uh, his wife gets home after a long day's work. He's got the candle light. Uh, he's, Brian got the candle lights going and got the dinner cooking and the wine is poured on the table and it looks like it's going to be a romantic evening. He goes, just hold on one second, sweetie. I just have to go in the other room and put the crown on Tito and uh, Macho Man and, and, and take pictures for my Twitter page, but I'm going to be back momentarily. Definitely. <laughs> I, 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 I bet best, man. she's probably doing the lighting in the room for him. I think she's probably hands-on. Tells me where, yep, where the best spot is in the yard for the outdoor lighting. Yep, yep. That's right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of the show. Have a great weekend. Hey, you love you, buddy. Well. Thanks, man. You know, Tommy. Whenever we talk about a subject like this, because you own a collectible store, my brain also goes to merchandising. Like by having that crown accessory for action figures. That just ups, I mean, from a marketing and, and merchandising standpoint, that's one more thing you can market to people 
is the accessory of this crown. So having a king of wrestling kind of benefits the company on that end as well. Absolutely. And, and I'm surprised back then in the 80s when they were making everything. I mean, you can even remember they were making Jimmy Hart uh, plastic megaphones and they were making you know, Hulk Hogan's workout set and they were making uh, the mind doll that George Steele would carry to the ring. You would think at that time they would have marketed a crown, especially when uh, you know a babyface was the king like Duggan. Or, you know, Macho Man, even though as a hill, he was so hot, he could have had that Macho King crown that sold it. And, and, and we've talked about this in the past also. That's a, can you imagine if WWE back then in the 80s could have figured out a way to have those replica titles back then? Uh, man, the money that they would have made. So, yeah, there was a lot of, lot of uh, opportunities on the table that they obviously weren't seeing then. And I guarantee you 20 years from now, they'll be looking at it as you know, opportunities that were on the table now that they didn't see. Uh, and that could change from technology to whatever. But man, I, I think that those crowns would have, would have made some money, especially if you picture that in the middle of the WWF magazine catalog. And even in the nineties, when, when, when Jerry Lawler was there, uh, you know, he was a, a big character for the show for a while. I'm surprised they never tried to market that. Very interesting. It is man. Cause now you can buy, replica macho man crowns there's people out there that make them they either 3d print them or they actually make them out of uh metal and they're they're pricey but they're amazing looking and can you imagine yeah if you were a kid and i get it he was a heel and heels don't sell merch but man that a replica macho man crown would have sold i believe it would have sold uh and then like you said when jerry the king lawler is on monday night raw and everyone's showing up wearing the burger king crowns you think wwe would have capitalized on that and came out with some version of a crown. Maybe they did. Maybe it's just blanking my memory. But, uh, yeah, interesting merchandising opportunity that maybe was missed back then because heels don't sell merch. So it is what it is, I guess. Uh, up next on the Rock and Wrestling Slam line, royalty from Beantown. It's time for Matt. Matt, good morning, sir. We're talking the best and worst to wear the crown. Good morning. 10 a.m. on a Thursday morning. So I, I got a big smile on my face because I look forward to this every week, and I love this topic. And and just real quick, the tail end of Babyface Brian's calls. Do, do we need to start – does this episode need to be rebranded, 80s wrestling the podcast after dark? I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it felt like we were, we, were, we were heading there a little bit. I like it. I like it. A little, a little offshoot, a little after dark episode. Um, <laughs> so – you know, thinking about this topic, I, I instantly thought, wow, there's so many ways you could define this, right? There are kings, like, that just took the moniker and just made it, like a, like a Jerry Lawler mm-hmm. or a Harley Race. There are King of the Ring tournament winners that embraced the king. There are King of the Ring tournament winners that did not embrace the king, but yet they're still, they're still kings. Mm-hmm. And then there's offshoots, like King of the Mountain. That's mm-hmm. a king. In its own, in its own, you know, in its own way. So, so it really got me thinking, um, which I love the t- I love the topics that really get me thinking, um, which is practically all of them. But uh, it's funny because I, I I will I will echo what's been said so far. When I when I think of the king of wrestling, especially when I was growing up, it's Harley Race. It's always mm-hmm. Harley Race. That's all I ever knew. 
I'm a, I'm a Northeast kid, so it was WWF all the way. Uh, I was aware of some other stuff. I'd see some stuff in the aftermags, but I was WWF all the way. And so much to the point, in 92 when Lawler came into WWF, I said, who is this joker? Who is this guy thinking he's the king? There is only one king. I have only one king, and it's Harley Race. And certainly as time moved on and you learn a little more, I started, you know, started stopping on the, on the pages of the aftermags that weren't WWF content and learning a little more, uh, and you get a little older. But it will always be Harley Race for me. Um, and, and, you know, that's just the way it is. Now, for my favorites, I, you know, the Macho King is, is, I think, my favorite of all time. And, in fact, I would, I would buy a replica of Macho King crown today. I, I didn't even know they were available or people were making them. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very low, you know, kind of offline. I don't have do social media very much. I'm just not that. So I miss out on a lot, a lot of this stuff. If those are being made, somebody hit me up with a link because uh, I would buy one, honestly. But, you know, the Macho King with Sherry, it was just genius. And I think about how it elevated storylines and his character. And Macho Man is just such a great example of how he can – sort of reinvents his character. You know, he starts off as a heel, very successful. He becomes a baby face. He's very successful. He goes back heel. He's successful. And he's the king. So I, I just love everything about the Macho King. But there's one I want to, I think, deserves um, pointing out here. And that's Owen Hart. I, I think when he won the King of the Ring tournament and he embraced it, it elevated him. He, he was just on an upward trajectory, but it, it, it just put a rocket under him. And I just thought his... His take on it um, was just genius and beautiful and just worked and just brought him to that next level. And while he wasn't my favorite king, I can just – I can respect the heck out of everything he did with that um, and, and, and made it work. So, you know, I, I think there's something to be, to be said for, you know, taking something like the king and, um, you know, you can, you can go one direction and say this is, this is cheesy, like Triple H, and I don't want to do it, or – be like going you can embrace it and run with it and it, it can work if you if you put your heart behind it you know i found one list as i was doing my research that put owen hart ahead of harley race ahead of macho man on the list of greatest kings in the history of the wwe and i think it's because exactly what you're saying he owned it to the point where he kind of became annoying because he was touting it as such a high honor and that he was the king of wrestling, and that's, that's bigger than any championship. Which leads me to ask this question, Matt. And, Tommy, you're, feel free to jump in here. But when you have the moniker the king, does it lend better towards a heel persona? persona? Does it get underneath people's skin when you really own the king? And so is that something that's better for a heel performer to have? I, would, I, I, I don't think even. so. I, I, I yeah, would think no, so because no who wants to be who wants to be told that someone is better than you, right? And and if there's a king and they're looking down on you with their nose held high, especially as a heel, I mean, who the fuck wants to be told that they're superior <laughs> than you? You know, so like it's instant heat, right? It's kind of like jumping Jay off the air, always telling me that he's far better of a talker than I am, and that's why he starts off the show every week. I try every week. That's not true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've got the golden you know, pipes yeah, over I, there. I, I think I, I do think is better suited as a heel, just because of of the you know notation of of being the king is being better than someone else. 
Yeah, look, it's worked as a babyface side as well uh, in the tournament. So, and it worked for Duggan. You know, uh, the, the Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the king. He was, I think, that helped him out a lot. I think it was interesting. But that's because, yeah, he, yeah, he beat he beat a heel to kind of get that crown. And so then I think the the crowd was behind him for that. But I think, yeah, if you're out there toting that you're the king of wrestling and you're better than everyone, I think that's such a heel move and such a great way to to catapult a heel. Like Owen Hart was in full heel mode when he was the king, and that's why I think it works so well to Matt's point. I would I would agree with everything that Tommy and you just said, Jay. And and I. I would be willing to bet, I've not done this research, but I'd be willing to bet if you look at the list of King of the Ring winners, the tournament, I, I bet you it's overwhelmingly heels um, that embrace the moniker after winning, mm-hmm. and it's baby faces that don't embrace the moniker. Uh, I mean, I think of Stone Cold right off the bat. Um, yep. But I, I bet you the majority of the, if you, if you take that list and say, okay, who took the King, King of the Ring, win, winning the King of the Ring, and then adopted it, I bet you it'll be mostly the heels. I think well, you're, I'm looking at the, the list right now. I think you're right on the money. Oh, I am too. I am too. I just pulled it up as 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 he was talking. But uh, Jay, you could you could do it since your voice is better than mine. Well, no, I think he's I think he's 100 percent right. Because I'm looking at the list, <laughs> and if you're a baby face and you win that crown, I think you take it as a like you you appreciate the night. You might wear it for the you know the end of that pay per view, the end of that event, but then you're right back to work the next day. Where if you're a heel. Man, you don't let that moment leave without you capitalizing the crown the next night out and the next night out and the next night out. So I think Matt found the recipe. If you're a baby face and you win that tournament, you smile, you wave, and then it's back to business. But if you're a heel, you ride that that moniker uh, until someone defeats you for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I agree with that. All right, gentlemen. I'm gonna I'm gonna let someone else uh, talk about the misses, like Mabel, because uh, I've had I've had my shot yeah, here. So yeah. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Get some more call. Get some more callers in, and uh, can't wait to listen to the rest of the show. Be good, boy. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, Tommy. I think I think he cracked the recipe for the King of the Ring tournament. If you're a heel and you win that, you can embrace that King moniker, and it gets underneath people's skin. And I think of a guy like Jerry the King Lawler for a for a long time. He was booed and looked at as the heel, but I think he's one of these guys now that has just reached legendary status. And so now he's a baby face and people, you know, embrace the term King for him. But I think if you're an active wrestler and you're shoving that down the audience's throat, it's gotta be a heel. Yeah, I I think so. And, And, you know, I'm looking at this list now, Jay, like you said, we pulled it up as, as Matt was talking, I would love to see. And I think, I think Brian said they weren't, uh, they weren't available to to see the footage of them, but there was a four-year span. The first two years, like you said, Don Morocco and Harley Race, and then after that, from 87 to 89, every year was in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Savage beat Bundy, DiBiase beat Savage the next year, Tito beat Martel the following year. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see some of these old – uh, tournaments, I, I, there has to be footage somewhere on these, I would think, don't you? So, I listen, I got to believe that the camera was rolling. And so, yeah, it'd just be a matter of knowing somebody who could track it down. But look at 1985, Don Morocco beats the Iron Sheik. Could you imagine the Iron Sheik is the king of the World Wrestling Federation back then? Talk about a missed opportunity, man. He would have been a, a sweet 
heel king, in my, in my opinion. King Sheik. King Sheik. Maybe we can hear from uh, King Tommy Sheik at the end of today's program, but we're going to keep the calls rolling. The Rock and Wrestling Slam line is absolutely stacked and packed when you're talking royalty. When you're talking royalty, how can you not connect with Jason from Texas? Sir Jason, welcome to the conversation. Good morning. Hey, guys. Uh, how you doing today? So good, brother. How are you? What's going on, hey, Jason? Hanging in there. It's uh, 80 degrees in Texas, so I'm not complaining. I could be back home in Chicago where it's probably, you know, 60 degrees or 40 or something like that. That's so right. All good. Um, you know, when I called in this morning, I didn't even know what the topic was going to be, but I was available. So I said, I got to call in and say hello and that sort of thing. And then when I heard you talk about the topic, I was like, oh, yeah, because it's uh, definitely one that all of us, especially the regular callers, you know, keep uh, uh, fresh on our minds, you know, just because of the lineage of the of the kingdom of wrestling. And uh, mm-hmm. I know everybody kind of mentioned the obvious ones already, so I'm going to go in a different direction uh, because I feel like the king of the ring or the king of the World Wrestling Federation or whatever should always elevate whoever it is that has it. And I feel like even though it's not from the 80s or from when we were kids, pops into my mind immediately is when Booker won the King of the Ring in 2006. 2006. Um, for the three years or so prior to that, um, four years, however long he was with WWF after uh, WCW got bought, you know, he was just kind of floundering around. He didn't really have mm-hmm. too much direction. He had that memorable feud with Stone Cold where they were in the grocery store, that kind of thing. But then he just was kind of floundering. And then they put the crown on him, and he completely changed his his character. Obviously, he started, you know, talking with, like, a British fake mm-hmm. accent, which was cool. He put the queen on his wife, Charmel. Um, you know, he just – he embraced it. He even had henchmen. I think it was William Regal and Finley that became his uh, <laughs> his his um, his version of uh, – of Briscoe and Patterson, right? So, like, um, you know, they were doing his dirty work. He he had his coronation. I mean, he did all of that stuff. And then, ultimately, he won the world championship from Rey Mysterio. Uh, he had high-profile feuds with, you know, Batista and Triple H and some of these guys. So, it definitely worked in his favor. And, I mean, he was already a great talent, obviously had been WCW champion, was, you know, a multiple-time tag team champion in Harlem Heat, you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, at that point in his career, he needed some sort of a lift, and that's exactly what that did for him. And it, I believe it truly made him a Hall of Famer. And um, I think that that's what the crown should do with a talent, right? So, you know, the people that they put it on that, you know, obviously it didn't work out, you could see, you know, the results. Well, the crown didn't elevate them. It didn't help them. It didn't do anything positive for them, that sort of thing. And um, I know that, uh, you know, the people like, you know, like Matt just said about Mabel, you know, Vince McMahon and his big guys, I mean, we know how he always Mm -hmm. was back then, right? So it doesn't always work out. But in the case of a guy like Booker, I feel like it definitely elevated him. It brought him to that next level. It helped him become a six-time, six-time, six-time world champion. And, um, 
you know, that, that to me is what it's all about. Uh, my second point, and then, that, and then I'll be done, and I'll take uh, your comments on it, um, is that you, you just talked about whether uh, the heels that became king, you know, were more likely to embrace it and such, and I, I totally agree with that without even needing to look at the list. But one of the coolest parts in my mind about it was that any time, especially a heel, would become the king, they would always have that coronation in the mm-hmm. ring with a lot of the other heels and such. And the one that comes to mind immediately is when Macho became the Macho King and he had his coronation and Ted DiBiase gave him the scepter and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, It's just like, I mean, Macho didn't need to be elevated, but that definitely took him to an even higher level. And, uh, you know, that was another one that totally embraced it and uh, had obviously a queen at his side. So, um, I think it, it, it's one of those things that is always better put on a heel. Like, I don't – I mean, I know Bret Hart won the King of the Ring in 93, but, like, I never even think of Bret Hart as being a king. You know what I mean? I think it was a consolation right. prize for taking the title off of him at WrestleMania 9. Um, and, uh, you know, that being just a month or a few months later or whatever it was. So, um, anyway, that's all I got. I just thought that Booker was uh, the uh, an obvious one in my mind. And uh, – I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I think, listen, I think your explanation of what the crown should do and what the title of king should do to a performer is spot on. I think if you look at Booker T T, and you look at Randy Savage, both had amazing careers prior to assuming the crown, but the crown gave us reason to maybe be invested in their heel persona a little bit more maybe gave us a little more reason to care about what they were doing, revitalize their career a little bit. And when you look at Booker, when you mentioned that he had his two henchmen, Regal and Finley, two guys who are legitimately from the UK, and he's speaking to them in his fake King English accent, like just the ridiculous of that, ridiculousness of that is enough to like get you to buy into what's going on because it's kind of like with a wink and a nod, that he's assuming this king role and he's taking it all the way. He is playing it full tilt. He's going all in. And that made us care about it. That made it entertaining. And like you said, that gave Booker T. It made him relevant for so much longer than maybe creative would have had him relevant for. They might've said, you know, we've done the Booker T thing. He's won five championships. Maybe his time's coming to an end, but putting on the crown and running with it, made him that much better in the eyes of the fan. Like you said, that might have cemented Booker T's Hall of Fame status is this heel run that we got late in his career as King Booker. And so I think you're spot on. Uh, and Booker is one the- of the guys that, that Tommy mentioned right at the start of the show as being one of the guys that is his favorite kings of all time. Yeah. Don't forget the pinky in the air, too. That was another, like, subtle gesture. But when <laughs> I love that. Him- persona oh my gosh yeah absolutely he, he played it as far as he could play it and it did wonders for his career and I think you're right I think that's the goal if you are given the king persona you got to buy into it and you got to roll with it because it could just lead to that much more in your career you never know unless you give it 100% and Booker T definitely did Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I'll let you get to the rest of the callers. Have a great one. 
I appreciate hey, it, real, Jason. Real Thank quick, you so much. Jason, yeah. Jason, before you leave real quick, I got a, I got a question for you. So just from the guys from the 80s, so we, we talked about who, who the kings were from the 80s, you know, King Haku, King Harley Race, Macho King, that era. Mm-hmm. Who was out there at the time? Again, this is subjective, and then right, your your whatever comes to your head first. What hills out there during that '80s time frame could you have seen portrayed as as that king character that you think would have worked? Oh my God, Mister Perfect immediately mm. comes to my mind. Oh yeah, because he he was already perfect, right? So you put a crown on him on top of that, especially in the era of say the late. Uh, late 89, like early 90s when the genius was with him. And, you know, the genius was already walking around, you know, uh, doing his, you know, proclamations and poetry and such, right? So I almost feel like if Perfect was walking around behind him with a scepter in his hand and a cape and a crown, I mean, that would have just been amazing. And then you could have added other people to sort of like a stable or whatever. That was before... Um, Perfect joined the Heenan family, so, you know, he wasn't part of that yet. So I think that that would have been great at that point in time. Now, obviously, Kurt Henning, you know, had been AWA world champion. You know, he had come into WWF, and and, uh, it was before he was intercontinental champion, but everyone could see how much talent was there. And I just think he also had the charisma to pull it off and to, mm-hmm. you know, not only elevate himself, but elevate the title of King too. That's yeah, a great I think, pick. I think that's a good one. Jay, who, who, who's on you? Who's on your head? I, I, as I, I asked that question, I thought to myself, one person that very quickly popped in my head and, and we can give it some thought and probably, you know, we can continue this conversation when, when Jason's off the air uh, someone that popped in my head immediately was Hercules. Uh, I could picture him with the crown on his head and Bobby Heenan doing the talking for him. Who, who's someone that uh, you think, when it comes to your top of your head, that could have been the king, especially as a hill back then? A guy who wouldn't have needed it because he was already probably the hottest heel in the company at the time, but I think Piper would have made a very interesting heel king, just the way he talks and carries himself. He could have probably got underneath people's skin if he had a crown on top of his head. Nice. If they put it on DiBiase at that point, too. Yeah, he would have been a a good one. Uh, If he he would have bought the crown off of somebody who maybe won the tournament, (laughs) that would have been a heel way to get it. That would have been a great way to do it. I love that idea. Yeah, that, that would have worked. What's interesting about this question is I'm looking right now at the 1988 roster. And let's say we never, ever had the Macho King. As I'm looking at this list, I don't think Macho Man would pop into my head as somebody that would have done well with the crown, and he did fantastic. So there might be somebody on this list that, that's not jumping out at me that would have just been dynamite at it. Yeah, man. The genius Thanks, probably guys. would have been a good king. Yeah. Now you got us thinking, Jason, man. Thank you so much <laughs> for calling in. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's interesting. Who never got the crown that would have been good is an interesting way to play this conversation. Because like I said, if Randy Savage never got it, I don't I don't know if I would have put a crown on him, but I'm glad they did because his heel persona as King Savage was amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a very interesting way to look at it. We're going to jump sure. into another call, and then maybe we'll play this game uh, some more. But up next, it's time to go to the firehouse. Time for firefighter Brian. Brian, good morning. Welcome 
to the best and worst kings of professional wrestling. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very well, sir. How are you? Good morning. Can't, good morning. Can't complain. Can't complain as always. Uh, well, first of all, to answer your question, one guy that comes to mind, I really like Jason's answer, Mr. Perfect. I think that's mm-hmm. the answer. Uh, but uh, Rick Rude. Rick Rude, he he would call himself the sexiest king alive. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like I that. Think, I think that might have worked. I'll be honest with you. You know, okay, uh, to quote Jimmy Hart, and I know Jimmy Hart says this with bias because uh, brought him into the business. He's his wrestling hero. Jerry Lawler is, was, and always will be the king. You know, Harley yep. Race. I think of the 80s, you know, televised kings, okay? Um, Yeah, Harley's probably the best. When I think of Harley, I think of the NWA tough guy, Um, you know, handsome Harley race, you know, the the, uh, tremendous Mike Worker. Um, You know, that's what I think of when I think of, you know, king Harley race, when I think of, you know, Harley race. as far as, you know what, I just want to say something about the King of the Ring. Um, you know, King of the Ring, it's really unfortunate, you know, what that has turned into. Um, it's kind of turned into a forgettable joke, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, there was a time where King of the Ring made careers, you know, when it came back in, you know, 92, Um you know, with Brett on the pay-per-view. You know, I mean, Owen Hart, uh, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Brock Lesnar, Edge, and, and probably more than anybody, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, yeah, there were some duds, Mabel, Billy Gunn, and a lot of the later ones, um, you know, Regal, uh, Sheamus, Wade Barrett. Those were very forgettable. Uh, Xavier Woods, Baron Corvin. I, I mean forgettable. I mean, and they're forgettable because you don't want to remember them. I mean, even Ken Shamrock, who remembers Ken Shamrock was King of the Ring. So times where it made made careers. And um, as far as, um, you know, and listen, I love Haku. Love Haku. I met him. Great guy. Um, Wasn't really crazy into that. Um, but, um, But I will say, 89 Rumble, which I've said before to many people is the, really the first Royal Rumble because the one most people actually saw. Um, that was a fight, uh, there was a match between Race and Haku for the undisputed king of the WWF. And, I mean, that was a battle of two of the most legitimate tough guys in the history of wrestling. But uh, what's your take on my, uh, my my whole thing with King of the Ring? Tommy, I'll let you fire away. Yeah, I I find myself agreeing with mostly everything that you said, man. I, I think that uh, I, I think that you're spot on in this one. And so to Tom, if you're listening, yeah, he, he's not on hold as far as I know. He might have he might have scared him off when uh, we announced that it would be you against him one on one in a trivia contest, the '80s Wrestling Con on Saturday. May the 4th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. 
uh, I think he, I think I think you scared him off. Before I reply to that, and believe me, you're going to want to hear my reply. Uh, Jay, what do you think, pal? You know, I got to apologize. I was distracted by the text line. We got texts coming in about who would be a good king from back in the '80s, so I was only half tuned in. Uh, but you're a smart man, firefighter Brian. I rarely disagree with you, so I'm going to say whatever you said. <laughs> I agree with. Well, so the, the texts pre- that are. The texts yeah, that are coming yeah, who, through. Who, yeah, who are coming in? Yeah, who are coming is, in? Is yeah. uh, they think uh, Matt from Boston jumped on the text line and said, "Honky Tonk Man would have made an excellent king," you know, because he's yeah. already comparing himself to Elvis, the king of rock and roll. And so then, what's better than being the the real king if Honky Tonk would have got I like the crown? I like that a lot. I'll be honest, when I first heard that, I thought, eh, then I'd say, yeah, king of rock and roll, king of wrestling, all right, yeah, that could have, could have, who knows what, I'm a firm believer, you don't know what would happen unless it happened, but, yeah, who, who knows, but, yeah, that, that makes, that, that does, that's a good point, who, who else uh, is coming in, uh, Jay? Uh, somebody else texted in that they thought before becoming the model, Rick Martell could have made an excellent king and got on these people's skin, because he kind of carried himself with that air of overconfidence as the model. I like that, too. I like that yeah. a lot, too. Yeah, I won't argue with that. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Absolutely. Who do you got, Firefighter Brian? If you could have put the crown on anybody, and if you already said it and I missed it, I apologize, but who would you have? Who could you see wearing the crown? I know you said Rick Rude, right? Rick Rude would have been a great one. Anybody else? I said Rick Rude. I think if there's one, again, you'll never know. Again, I wasn't really crazy about these kings, but I'll give one more um that I think really could have used the rub, and that's Butch Reed. Yeah, I could see that, actually, as somebody who got elevated by the crown. You you know who I would have liked to have seen uh, win the – I just thought of this. You know what I'd like to have uh, seen win it, like a tournament or something? Bad News Brown. Mm. Because he he would have just said – he would have done what Stone. Like that one, too. But bad news, you talk about somebody so ahead of his time, okay? Bad News Brown was a black, stone-cold, PG-rated version of Steve Austin, okay? He was a black, PG-rated version of Steve Austin. He was Steve Austin without the beer and the middle fingers, okay? And if anybody, I, I don't mean to go off the topic, but I think this is a good PSA here. Anybody who has not seen Bad News Brown on the Arsenio Hall show, Google, uh, YouTube, whatever, to uh, Bad News Brown Arsenio. And you, I never knew this existed until a few years ago. And you talk about so, uh, what I loved about those that era, whether it was Arsenio, uh, Regis and Kathy Lee, whatever. The wrestlers mm-hmm. would go on in character. Yep. And it would be so much fun. The uh you two, uh Rick Rude Regis. You'll oh my I'm not even gonna say anymore. Amazing. Re, mm-hmm. Of all the rest that appeared on Regis, Rude probably had the best one. So so uh but the, cause, and I liked how Stone Cold, you know, you had Brett uh going around um you know, Brett didn't really win a crown, but it uh, escalated to a great feud with Jerry Lawler. Owen Hart embraced the crown. Mabel, for better or worse, embraced the crown. Stone Cold says, screw this, man. I'm not no king. I'm not wearing no crown, no cape, whatever. 
Um, and it, again, elevated his career with just a few words. Austin 316 said, I just kicked your ass. So, um, but listen, in close, you're nearing the end here. So I'm just going to address what you said, Tommy. So I got some potential bad news and some good news. Now, the potential bad news is I am i hate to say this. I hope I can make both. I am not a lock to be at WrestleCon or the lunch two days prior. The good news is, is because in August we are getting a new little Hulkamaniac. My wife is pregnant. So, oh my um, word! Oh, awesome, man! Woo! Yeah. Congratulations! Congratulations! So, depending on when is uh, wrestling? What's the actual date again? It's on May the fourth. May the fourth be May, with you. May the fourth, yeah. So, uh, yeah, she'll be what six months. So, yeah, I'll see how she's doing. Thank you, but thank you, Matt from Boston. He just texted me, "Congratulations, Brian!" So exciting. That's thank huge. you, Matt. Um, so, um, so I, uh, what was I going to say? So, you know, I'll see. You know, I mean, that uh, as you guys, you, you guys are both fathers. I mean, that takes precedence. Um, oh, absolutely. As much as, much as I want to make an absolute fool out of Total with Tom, I mean, uh, you know, that's uh, you, know, you know that takes precedence. So I'll see. You know where we're at. And um, listen, if I could make it, you know, not just to compete with Total with Tom, but just to see all you guys. And uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of for those who haven't been to an '80s wrestling con. It's a great time. And uh, Tommy, I just, I just want to ask you this because I've been meaning to ask you this for weeks, and I never remembered. Now this is the fifth '80s wrestling con, right? Correct. It's the, it's the fifth installment. Okay. Now, uh, this year you got, um, I know Vladimir is getting an achievement award. Are the Road Warriors still getting one? Yes, sir. The Road Warriors and Vladimir. Excellent. Now, has anybody, I know last year Macho Man was going to get it, but due to some very unfortunate situations, uh, it just didn't happen. Um, Have there been previous recipients of an 80s? Lifetime Achievement Award at the, like... Uh, no, we started it at... No, no, yeah, we did it with Bruiser Brody. That was oh, at the yeah. third 80s Wrestling Con. Last year was supposed to be uh, Randy sure. Savage with uh, Lanny accepting it. And Lanny was extremely excited about it. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away. So I wound up not doing it, one, because... I, I, there's no one to accept it that I, I had no way of getting a hold of Macho Man's wife or uh, you know, anyone else that I think that would have uh, been the right choice to accept it on behalf of the Macho Man. And, and it, it just, I, I wound up not going with it only because Lanny was so looking forward to it. Like he was very excited about it. And I felt without him, it, it really didn't have personally for me that that um the meaning behind it because Lanny was very excited for it uh but it, it will be something we do uh, in previous upcoming editions of the convention and, and it could be a situation where it's definitely more than one or two people going forward because there's so many people out there that is so deserving of a 
80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award. So I would definitely definitely look to see more of that in the future for 80s wrestling kind of events. Excellent, because, you know, listen, there's no shortage. You could probably go on forever with recipients, just like we could probably go on with topics for this show. So uh, excellent. So uh, listen, guys, uh, you're near at the end. I'll let you guys talk a little bit or get to another call if you have one. And uh, guys, listen, good talking to you as always. I'll hopefully talk to you guys next week. A great uh, discussion, and uh, you guys have a good one, okay? Hey, congratulations again, Brian. We're excited for you. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. And let me just say quick, my other registry, my wife put, she saw a Hulkamania onesie. She put it on yeah. the registry. I love it. <laughs> Tommy Puppet Master Joe knows what the, when the baby's born in the crib in the hospital, there's going to be a, a Hulk Hogan figure or something like that. Love in, it. In the, so. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Thank my, wife, my wife knows about it. She loves it. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good week, yeah, guys. Man. I'll see you soon. All right. God bless hey, you. you as well. Thank you. Hey, listen, Jumpin' Jay, I got a feeling, listen, is he off the air or no? <laughs> yeah, he's off the air. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I love, I love Firefighter Brian. I'm extremely happy that him and his wife are pregnant and are having a, a child. To me, though, uh, Jay, if she's due in August, and he was trying to count the months on his fingers for the beginning of May uh, on the podcast, I got a funny, funny feeling He's ducking to it with Tom because, listen, your wife can be six months pregnant and you can still drive from New York to New Jersey for a couple hours for a wrestling convention. So I got a feeling he's ducking to it with Tom. I don't think Toto Tom's going to be very happy about this at all. <laughs> the thing that has me confused and scratching my head is at the end of the phone call, what did he mean when he said his wife knows about it? The pregnancy? Like what? Either the, what? Listen, either the pregnancy or the story behind why he can't make it to oh. 80s wrestling con. Because <laughs> he's like, don't worry, my wife about. knows about it. Now, and that threw me for a loop. I didn't know he knew about the, the, that there's going to be a Hulk Hogan figure in the crib with him or, or she knew about the pregnancy. I didn't know what it, it left me scratching listen, my head there way, at the end. Do you think it's a He's ducking no, total no, no, time. Listen. I listen. I think that she is pregnant, obviously, and I think that's fantastic news. He's a great guy. I've met her before at my convention. Very nice family. Wonderful people. I'm very happy for them. But you're saying but unless think, her due date is May the fourth, he needs to be there. I, I would say so. I mean, I mean, if it's it's in August, you know, he has to make sure she's okay first in in May. I think she's going to be all right, man. I I, I really think that. Uh, uh, I think he's ducking to it with Tom. I think he's ducking maybe, to it with Tom. Listen, maybe he's just a, a super over-the-top caring father-to-be and just wants to be there for every step of the way. Is this, is this his first child? Yes, I believe, I believe yeah, yeah. so. If, yeah, yeah I, think, I think when it's your first, you're, you're amped up and you want to be there for everything, and you'd hate to find out that you ducked away to go spend money on action figures. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe he's scared of what what his wife would say if he returns with merchandise. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So maybe he's not ducking but, uh, Tom. Maybe he's ducking Mrs. Firefighter. 
Mrs. Mrs. Firefighter. I like that. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, I I don't. I should find out what her name is. I don't know what her. I should find out what her name is. Brian, congratulations, and uh, we wish you all the best. And is that the? is that the second pregnancy announced on the show? I know Babyface Brian announced his, his marriage, but did we have somebody else announce that they were expecting before? I feel like this is our second birth announcement. I, yeah, I, I think it is. But listen, this, is, this could be a place where you listeners, if you, if you need to get something off your chest, if you need someone <laughs> to talk to, you got a big announcement. 516-595-8295 again, 516 516- Five nine five eight two nine five. We can be like a automated thing. Like, see, I don't know if you had this out in Minnesota, uh, but back, uh, oh, you definitely didn't because it was a New York number. It was called. Uh, you'd call up and get the movie listings. They would say, "Welcome to movie." Uh, Welcome yeah, movie to phone. blah blah blah. Brought to you by Hot ninety seven. If you know the movie you'd like to see, press one. Yes. If you know the name of the movie, you know, so they add that we can do that where people call on the show. If you're having marital problems, press one. If you want to sell your wrestling collection to the Rock and Wrestling Collector, press two. <laughs> if you want to book a fundraiser, you know we can do that. We can have an automated system. But, I like uh, it, all man. Giving aside, yeah, it's, it could be the next uh, the next boom period in wrestling. We can have an automated nine hundred number, kind of like Listen. WCW Mean Gene. Yeah, you used to call into wrestling hotlines all the time, and you could hear pre-recorded messages from your favorite wrestler or inside scoops from the announcers. Bring it back. The ISPW think, hotline think, could be a thing. Yeah, I think I think social media killed the uh, concept of the 900 numbers. I would be really curious. I know it's off topic, but I would be very curious to know what kind of money they made back in the day with those 1-900 numbers. That's it. Had to be a money making thing. It, I mean, you it had to be worth it. Yeah, I, I think so. Hey, Jay, I, I got a great topic for next week, and I got a topic that might be the hottest ever had right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast next week. If you let me pick the topic for next week, can we do it? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm totally up for it. Uh, before you unveil the topic, this just popped into my head. If, if Firefighter Brian makes it to 80s Wrestling Con 5, and if he goes toe-to-toe with Tom and Tom beats him, I think he's got to name his firstborn son, Tom. Just going to throw that out there. I think that's, (laughs) that seems like what should be at stake here is naming rights to the child. But anyway, back back to the the main event. (laughs) Next week's topic of conversation. Let me ask you one question first before I I get to that. Uh, What what is your take on uh, him saying that he can't be here for the, the, the radio luncheon two days prior the 80s wrestling con because his wife's having a baby in in august why can't he come to the store for a couple hours to have some pizza with us you know it's it's like i said if it's his first child maybe he just wants to be there he wants to make sure she's okay with him leaving maybe you know maybe they're starting to save up the money for the child and so maybe he doesn't want to spend gas oh, money or food money you know i, I gotta give him the benefit think, of the doubt there must be a reason well, I, Okay, well, if it's because of the gas money, I'll pay for his gas, I'll pay for his tolls. A free ride for the <laughs> 80s wrestling luncheon right here at the Rock and Wrestling Collector okay. on Thursday, uh, May the 2nd. If you're still listening, I'll pay your gas, I'll pay your, I'll pay your tolls. It'll be my gift to you for 
Uh, it'd be my baby shower gift to you. I feel like, you know, I don't know the behind the scenes working of these conventions, but I feel like every once in a while you must get a talent that's trying to hold out for more money. Maybe this is just his way of, you know, he's holding out. You know, I don't know if I can be there. And then you got to throw out free gas money. And then he's like, okay, I'll, I'll be on my way. So maybe he's just holding out. Maybe he's a, I will, a diva of a talent. I will tell you this. Of all the years I've promoted wrestling shows, no one has ever tried to hold me up for more money. So uh, just to let you know. That's fantastic, man. That's awesome. I will, so I will fire, tell you a funny fire, story. Fire might be the first. I will, I will tell you a really funny story. I know the podcast is coming to an end. So when I was younger, I, Dennis Corluzzo, he was a big wrestling promoter. In not only New Jersey, but he was probably one of the, the top independent promoters in the country at the time. He actually did some events in Minnesota as well, Jay. He promoted some stuff. If you Google it, Dennis Corluzzo, NWA, uh, he, he was a really, really big promoter, and he took me under his wing when I was just a teenager and, and taught me a lot. So one one show, all, all the good stuff, by the way, not not the not the other stuff he did, uh, but um, one event he had Ahmed Johnson booked. And Ahmed Johnson was at his hotel room, and he wouldn't leave his room until he got more money. Well, Dennis, listen, Dennis is not someone you fuck with. Uh, so what Dennis did was he went in the ring at the beginning of the show. He said, I'm very sorry, everyone. Ahmed Johnson's not here because he's at the hotel, and he's demanding more money or else he won't come. So what I'd like everyone to do right now, he, he held up a sign with Ahmed Johnson's uh, room number in the hotel he was at. It says, I'd like everyone to call the hotel right now and call his room and tell him that you want him to come to the show. And that's what he did for someone trying to hold him up for more money. And I'm telling you, if someone tried to hold me up for more money after we made a deal, uh, you're never, you're never, you're never, I'm, I'm never going to, I'm going to give you a cent. If you're a man and agreed upon a certain price, that's the price. Yep. Yeah, but I, I know that famous uh, stories about a wrestler holding up uh, someone for money was the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, right. right. was right around that SummerSlam, and they went through with it because they had no choice. But right. we got rid of them right after that. So, uh, yeah, off topic. So next bad, week's Bad episode, for business. Yeah, we got to stick to your yeah. stick to the agreement. Yeah, next week's episode, lay it on me. So I think that this phone line will be lighting up nonstop next week and I think it might we have to extend it a little bit more than an hour possibly because next week the topic will be Vince McMahon Ooh. Vince McMahon is an overall viewer or the Vince McMahon scandal overall overall oh it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. I think people have a lot to weigh in on because things are still coming out. Um, and so, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's talk about Vince McMahon and we'll talk about, I would love you know, to, the good stuff. I would, and then, yeah. talk, I would love to talk about the history of Vince McMahon uh, and everything that he's done since he's, you know, started WWF. However, I'm, I guarantee you that it, between now and next week, uh, that conversation is going to probably take a little bit of a spin. But next week here on the podcast, the topic will be uh, Vince McMahon. 
And uh, did you hear real quick? Did you hear that the, the Paul Roma interview that he did a couple days back? No, I have not heard the Paul Roma interview. I believe it was on Newsbreak or one of those uh, news websites and radio uh, shows. And uh, they did an interview with Paul Roma, and he was saying how, you know, he was propositioned and Jim Powers was and hmm. how, um, you know, he knows stuff that's far worse than what's out there right now. So, you know, news sites like that and stations like that, that's going to, they're going to probably wind up reaching out to any former oh, for pro sure. wrestlers that have anything to say. So I, I can see, I can see things going in that WWF steroid scandal type of situation in the foreseeable future. I, it just, there's so much stuff that hasn't come out yet, you know? You know, and there, there were things that were rumored back in the eighties involving talent and involving uh, people in leadership type roles. But back then it wasn't as easy, I think for, for people who were propositioned or affected to have an outlet to, to talk and now with social media and everyone has a microphone, it is easier um, for those type of stories to, to see the light of day. And so it'll be interesting to see how far back uh, some stories go, because I think when something like this breaks, the piling on starts, you know, and so the one young lady coming forward was probably just the, the breaking point, the tip of the iceberg, and then everyone else is going to have their story and kind of pile on. Uh, and, and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't even know in these type of situations, his contribution to the his to, to professional wrestling is probably going to get shoved underneath the rug. I mean, this is, we're approaching what's going to be the first WrestleMania that he's really had no part of. Uh, and so it really is, you know, an end of an era and maybe it's, you know, for just cause, but his fingerprint is on professional wrestling. And so it'll be an interesting conversation, Tommy. Yeah, it definitely will is it, be. The good, is the it bad. weird that I feel like, about I feel like I have to tiptoe around? Like, is this weird or are we just going to have an open conversation about Vince McMahon? Because he did great things for the industry and it sounds like he did horrible things as a person. And so I don't know how to reconcile those two when we talk. Do we tiptoe around it well, or do we just talk openly? I think I think we call next week's episode the good, the bad, and the ugly of Vince McMahon. All right. Let's let's go for it. All right. We're gonna go All for right. it. A lot of uh... <laughs> I think we just have to be open and honest. Yeah, it's a we it's, sure. it's some of the stuff is not great to talk about. Some of the stuff he contributed to the business made the business why we love it. Absolutely. But there seems to be multiple sides of the man. And I know some sure. wrestlers are, are not commenting on what's going on. Some people are commenting what's going on. Who knows? And, I, and I'd like to talk about that next week also. I know John Cena uh, just recently commented publicly about Vince. I know Randy Orton just did. So we can kind of take some of the statements from some of the guys that work there as well. And again, it's the good, the bad, and ugly of Vince McMahon. Hopefully we can talk about all the great things he did because I don't think that any of us would be talking right now or listening to this podcast if it wasn't for him. Right. Uh, I, think that, I think that Randy Orton really summed it up good where he just said, you know, his heart really fucking hurts over it. And I think all of our hearts yeah. really hurt over it because we don't want to look at him that way. We don't want him to be erased from the history of wrestling. But unfortunately, ugh. We'll, we'll, we'll right. wait the next week until and, then. And, and Jay, I hope the, ni- the nice thing, oh, yeah. Tommy, from from my from my chair where I sit, 
I'm far enough removed from the man that I'm just kind of watching as an observer and can, can opinionate and can talk about it. You, on the other hand, you, uh, you worked for his company at one time in your life. And so you have a, you have for a, a couple seat. for a cup of coffee. You have for a cup of coffee. You have a, you have a different, yeah. So it'll be an interesting conversation. The good, the bad, and the ugly of Vince McMahon next week. Oh, yeah. Jay, I hope you and your family have a great weekend out there in Minnesota. Hopefully it's not too cold for you. Hope everyone out around the world enjoys their week. And we'll catch you back here next Thursday for a special Good, Bad, and Ugly of Vince McMahon episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast.